This is Green Planet Blue Planet Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Guderlei, and I'm here today with Dan Lawless. And we're going to dive into the world of circular economies and tokenomics. So welcome, Dan. Welcome. Thank you for having me on. Yes, I'm excited. This is a topic that we're ongoingly exploring, co-creating together as as the many people that are tuned into it, right? And um, it's a very deep topic, too, because really we've been living in a world where the systems the infrastructures and this, you know, the, 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 the bits and pieces of how we run economy have kind of been in place for us. And many people just accepted it. But we're in a unique threshold time right now where many, many people are realizing, well, wait a second, this is a game we invented. So what other games can actually serve us to become a species that is in, in, in harmony with the planet we live on? And so, you know, enter a circular economy. Um, do you want to maybe share how your passion and fascination for the topic um, has lifted off? Yeah, absolutely. You know, started, you know, started out more in probably traditional business, you know, doing startups and entrepreneurial kind of ventures and, you know, kind of really wrap my head around the financial aspects of what it takes to kind of run a business from income to expenses to, you know, balancing that on a sheet to doing full blown financial models and kind of, you know, now this, this kind of advance or this evolution into kind of the blockchain space and, you know, really understanding, really kind of taking those fundamental financial insights and bringing them into the blockchain space to really kind of think through, you know, how do we create an economy where, you know, we can create this circular give back or this reward type model where, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be just the people at the top that are, you know, profiting from all of the, all of the, the, the progress that's done within, let's call it the business, you know, and what's really interesting is, you know, the, the, these cryptocurrencies almost represent, you know, the currency below the business where the business is mm. almost becomes the intrinsic value of the, the token itself where, um, you know, and, and, and then it's really thinking through the mechanics, you know, we have, we're creating essentially a currency mm. if, if you will. And, uh, you know, there's so much that goes along with that. Think of the U S economy and, you know, all the programs they have for all the different groups and, you know, you can create that stuff, you know, almost from the ground up if you kind of put in the effort. And I, you know, I feel like, uh, you, you know, it's just it's a revolutionary way to kind of stimulate a business and, you know, creating contracts in which drive revenue and value directly into your business. And then, you know, that value that's driven into your business boosts your boosts your token value and kind of and and as a result of selling these, you know, these contracts or NFTs or assets or whatever it might be, you know, you're rewarding your owners as well, almost as if they're, you know, they're part owners of your business. So, you know, setting up a membership type model with with the the owners in the business and really kind of figuring out the mechanics that make sense for each of the, you know, a business entity to basically, you know, further stimulate their their owners within their business. In what I've found is everyone's model is different. And, you know, it's really interesting to be in a decentralized space. Like when we start to think through decentralized economy, it's really the economy exists under the, the business entity, right? Like the business entity becomes, you know, again, almost the intrinsic value of the coin rather than, you know, where we stay in kind of the United States, you know, where the the the, the countrywide economy is what establishes the value for the the coin, if you will, or the US dollar, a fiat currency, you know, where one business goes down and it actually affects the whole, where in this type of environment, decentralized environment, 
you know, a coin goes down or a business goes down, it only kind of affects that infrastructure. You know, it, it is probably connected to a variety of other things, but really kind of the value, you know, mm. of uh, is, is, is the, is the business on top of it. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say, we just went, we just went straight into the good details here. Um, <laughs> yeah. but what I'm hearing you say is that maybe short term transitioning to decentralized systems and circular economies can bring, you know, some, some challenges of understanding how different it really is going to be in each uh, ecosystem. But long term, there's a resilience that's far superior to kind of being tied to a federal reserve a bank or to an international monetary fund, right? Because ultimately that just continues to perpetuate hierarchical top-down control um, rather than a resilience to say, well, if this business goes out of business, it, it, it affects the immediate people, but, but actually the decentralized plots of sense-making around it can, can compensate for that and therefore you know, uh, move people right back into a functioning uh, economy. Yeah, you're Am I totally hearing that it. right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just so fascinating. Let's maybe back backstab a few a few steps. Sure. So we made up the economic game, right? We meaning all of us humans. Um, we're currently subscribing to, you know, uh, federal reserve banks, international monetary funds, the the institutions that are kind of governing this, the individuals that are profiting from it, or the the you know the the powers at play. In your own words, Dan, like. Why should people really care about blockchain and crypto? Because I, I still believe, maybe not for everyone listening to this podcast, I know many people know much more about this than me, but at large, I think it's still a pretty fringe topic. But you and 100%. I know, and that's why we're having this conversation, that like the, the long-term possibility when we actually go decentral is going to be the world that we actually want, a world of resilience, a world of playing the, kind of the right relationship in the ecosystem. Correct. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. It's not like somebody couldn't come into this space and kind of act as a capitalist as well. And, you know, you know, stand up a token in which they own 80% of the, the distribution and or the 80% of the allocation. And now, you know, you're treating it like a kind of capitalist business. The only difference is we can see all of it on the blockchain. So if you ever have kind of a question about the contracts, you can really dig into, well, what does the ownership structure look like? Who actually owns what tokens you may not know be able to know the human that is behind the, the wallet but you will know there's so much transparency that you know anyone to kind of figure out uh you know who owns what as far as the shares are concerned or i'm sorry tokens are concerned you know you all you have to do is look on the blockchain and you can kind of you know you can determine that and i think you know uh the the you know, it prevents things like what happened with GameStop. You know, GameStop basically kind of to bring another kind of fringy topic into into the conversation. But uh, GameStop also kind of, you know, is a great example as to why we almost need this type of infrastructure. Because what happened mm -hmm. in GameStop is, um, you know, a whole bunch of investors came in and started to naked short, which like is essentially they're buying they're buying shares that have already been sold even to like they're buying them on kind of notes and from what I can understand. And then they're basically uh, going and shorting those shares and they don't even have ownership and the person they got it from doesn't even really have ownership. So they're actually like creating false transactions on the exchange, on the, 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 the NASDAQ. You're literally, I mean, you haven't, you have these investors that are literally creating false. Uh, I mean, they're trading without even having kind of the, 
the the uh, the contract full in hand. Yeah, yeah, full ownership. And then and then you have these situations where it's like, how how are there uh, you know two? Let's just for sake. I don't know the exact numbers, but how are there a billion shares floating around in in uh, GameStop when we only release 500, 500 million, right? And it's kind of like. Why are there double the amount of shares out there? And then when you dig into it, it's because people are, you know, the big investors at the top understand the mechanics and how to play this game. And their fines are far less than their gains, right? They, they're, they're a pay to play. They, they, you know, in the financial system we, we live in, you know, all it does is penalize you for being a bad actor, but it doesn't do it to a capacity of, uh, you know, making you learn the lesson, you know, it really just, that's a very guys... interesting distinction. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is something most people aren't aware of, but if you dig a little deeper into some of the wrongs that were done on a social or an economic level by some of the very big players, you know, we could name banks, we could name pharmaceutical companies, etc. If you do any of the research, the penalties are usually a fraction of their annual profit. And or the penalties like don't even happen. Like a micro fraction, like exactly a micro because fraction. there is such a strong juris, like you know, like a like a, a legal team behind it that is able to play the legal world in a way that it again avoids uh, heavy fines. And so, this is a very interesting, very fragile point of our global systems is that if you're able to power play them, you really can take advantage of it, which right. most people just say, well, that's just the world we live in. But really, right. there's a whole generation of, of people now that's like, no, wait a second, we've made up the game. So let's let's make up a new game. And, and let's dive in deeper. I like that you brought up the GameStop example. Um, let's talk a bit about the, the risks when it, when it comes to this transition. And then uh, I know that you're really uh, knowledgeable in kind of the direction of um, circular econo- economics taking over the tokenization of it and some of the examples like we can bring up seeds for example mm-hmm. um, where this is already starting to happen but but for just a few more minutes let's stay on the side of the risks so, like what else do you do you want to make sure people like know about and we're not in two years saying oh look bitcoin just uh, was taken over by corporate interest you know because right this is a wild right. west this space oh no it totally is and i you know i think yeah, I totally see where you're going with this. And I think, you know, one thing to highlight is, you know, the crypto space, a lot of people drop these coins uh, onto onto the, um, the the open exchange, right? Like, so so we'll talk about this for a second. So imagine you're a private business, you're, you're opening your private business, you are one or two employees, and you're getting going. And two months later, you IPO your business right? Said no business owner ever. And the reason being is because you have not established that value yet. And and what a lot of people are doing is they're just taking these tokens and they're launching them onto a public exchange in which now you're, you're at the whim of the community driving your price. And we're in a market in which there's a lot of gamblers. There's a lot of get rich quick people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of sharks, there's a lot of big whales in there that can just, you know, bring in bring in volume and kind of manipulate your price the way they are looking to to get the gains they want. And, you know, you know, I think, you know, what Seeds is doing so well is, you know, just because we can be public, you know, be on in a public exchange in this decentralized environment doesn't mean we have to be right. And I think that's an important thing to understand is just because we can be in an open market and allow the community to manipulate the price of our token doesn't mean we necessarily need to be. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, private businesses, 
stay private until it's strategic to go public. And the reason they do that is because now they have the weight, they have the they mm. they have the the value, they have the 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 you know the the substance behind actually proving their intrinsic value rather than just kind of decks and websites and you know kind of false promises of somebody that just started a business three months ago and trying to prove a you know thirty to fifty million dollar valuation on a token because they were unaware of how to drip that into the 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 economy and now they've like. It, it almost becomes a double-edged sword if you do that because you know at some point you're you realize that even putting more money into an environment that you've kind of overinflated so much you're just burning money because it's you're exactly. you're kind of you're bringing the value back to like where it is and um so anyways kind of to move on to the seeds ecosystem and and what seeds is doing you know i really commend seeds because i think you know they attempted to put their their token onto a public exchange and they actually took it off and you know, they understood what was happening and they, they kind of understand the tokenomics. They have some pretty like intelligent people on that team. Mm -hmm. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to set up the private business model, you know, like keep, keep your token under your business and allow your community to buy and sell it, which establishes a much more uh, honest and authentic, you know, price per token. You know, it's now, you know, the seeds community defines the value and the community, I'm sorry, the seeds kind of people or DAO, if you will, determine the value of the coin. And then the economy or the community, it is up to them to kind of agree that, yes, we believe in the value of the coin you've established. And now we're going to use that to transact, thus continuing to prove the value of your token through the uses of it, right? Not this just, not just this, we're going to trade it on an open market and try to drive the value up by dumping more money in, you know, it's, it's you want to prove value and then establish that value back into your token and, and really doing that the right way is not easy. And I do believe that, you know, the way seeds has it set up is, is probably the more intelligent model to go with. Hmm. Thanks already for that, you know, first kind of overview of like some of the risks and the models like seeds that are already, you know, acting with more integrity mm. let's let's see if we can if we can get to you know even more understanding for anyone who is significantly newer to this conversation too right as we're talking about transitioning um currency systems or or the way we you know do economy where do you personally see the threshold point where we could really uncouple from fiat or from federal banks because I know that for a lot of it's people... A, that's it, a hard question, yeah. It's a really hard question. It's a total <laughs> yeah. gamble, I get that. But I, I think for a lot of people, it's about like, well, that just all sounds so complicated. Totally. Let me just commit back to what I already know. I know it's an unfair rigged game, but I mean, that's just the way I pay my rent at the end of the month. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, you know, I guess I'll get it. I'll explain kind of how I would see it, you know, and if I had a closed, if we had a closed market, let's say, and we, you know, there's three different contract types or three kind of major contract types. There's the ERC 20, which represents the token. And then there's ERC 721 and 1155. Those are the major ones that kind of represent your assets, right? The idea is that or at least that, you know, I kind of am trying to think of or come up with or, you know, kind of conceptualized to to really kind of answer your question. It's a very tricky thing to do because you because we're 
we're so we compare everything to the US dollar, right? And like we mm. we're like, I want to create liquidity out of this. What do you think of? Well, convert it to a stable coin. And what's a stable coin? But you know, a US backed currency that, you know, can can hold a consistent value, right? That's almost what you look for is one of the reasons why it's you know, it's hard to rationalize playing in the crypto space is because of how volatile it is. Totally. You know, and the reason for the volatility is because that the economy under each one of these businesses is so much smaller than the country's economy, right? The country's economy is massive and leveraging the US dollar, you kind of be, you're, you're able to sit on that like cushion essentially because it doesn't fluctuate quite as much as the crypto space. And what I will say is that the private business model really kind of lends itself to you establishing your price, you know, working it out in a financial model to really understand like, okay, as we grow this business, you know, it's going to slowly increase in value, just like, you know, a normal traditional business would. And we're going to continue to kind of, you know, in a, it's still in concept, but, you know, uh, reevaluate what the share price is based off of, you know, revenue we've brought in, progress we're making, kind of really, uh, you know, establishing it based off of how much liquidity have we created? How, ma how much are people actually trading this coin back and forth at the price we've set? Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can do a lot of analyzation and then you can or I mean, then you can, you know, mechanically be like, OK, well, now we're going to we're going to reestablish the share price, say, six months later after a ton of revenue has come in. You, we all rationalize. We're looking on our model. It says, you know, the business is worth in and around five to 10 million, let's say, you know, our share price was 50 cents before and kind of to, you know, to get it up to about that five to 10 million, we, we actually would like to double the share price. Uh, and everyone kind of agrees to it. They're like, yes, we see what you're saying. We see what you're doing. And again, this is all intrinsic, right? We're, we're to your point, we're creating it. So, so long as we can get others to believe in the value we establish based on real metrics, based on real kind of tangible things, you're now starting to establish that, you know, a more solid baseline. And, mm. and you're also removing it. So from a risk perspective, you're also, you know, taking away a lot of that risk by having it private and being able to drive your own value. Now it's not, now it's not, you know, and people within your community might agree to sell it for less or a little bit more, but at the end of the day, you're setting your baseline. And no matter how much Bitcoin goes up or down, it's not affecting your market because your community is what's driving it, not just some public market of whales and sharks and like all the other all the other kind of unknowns that come with it. Well, you're mentioning something there, Dan, that is probably not visible to most people, but it you know, there are a lot of unknowns in the way market economies and countries run their economies right now. It just looks like this is a game of highest integrity by our leaders that's yeah. the way it looks on the outside narrative but once you kind of take off the lid and you look a little closer to who finances what and in which way you know depending on how deep down the rabbit hole you go you will see pretty fast that oh wow there's massive lobbying or aka like corruption right where right. where pri private interests or personal interests are trumping because of monetary power and you know having played the game maybe in a family lineage or maybe in a, uh, you know, in an economic uh, lineage of, of, of founders, having played the game really well over X amount of years makes you hierarchically more important than hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, even though they, you know, they by themselves could run a, a micro economy with those hundreds of thousands of people. 
And exactly. so we adhere back to the hierarchical top-down system, believing that it's benevolent to us. Meanwhile, it's really depleting the earth, exploiting the earth, and keeping people in this perpetuation. So when we talk about this threshold point, you know, you're you're definitely much more knowledgeable about the space than I am. But from a, a, a kind of pattern that we can read, I really I really think there is there's a merit in many people allowing themselves to test kind of like localized solutions out because Mm. you know i mean think of it if you live somewhere in southeast asia or the african continent or the south american continent and you realize how difficult it is to play part in the dollar u.s dollar backed global economy well if you have a thousand people or ten thousand people in your local community play a, a different game with you run on a DAO. i mean right what do you think of that? Am I am I just dreaming in the wrong direction, or no, is this kind of part of what the I change? How the change yeah, happens? No, I think, yeah, I think you're spot on. I think that's like <clears throat> imagine we have the ability to give kind of those micro economies to the right kind of communities, where um, you know, in teaching them the right way on how to even use it or leverage it, because it, you know, these tokenomics are are delicate. You know, I've seen multiple coins kind of drop and release, and you know, even investment opportunities come along hey this coins this coins low you can you can get in early and i you know you look at it and you analyze it and you're like yeah but like what's what value do they have that rationalizes a 50 million dollar you know market cap and it's like there's not much other than like a couple decks and it's like you're way past you know like you've you've unsunk like the 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 value is too far out like it's almost how do you keep the value with like your how do you keep the value with the actual token price and kind of grow that organically over time? Not just we want to have pump and dumps and, you know, come in here and boost the price as high as possible. It's almost not about that. It's about how do you create an arc that looks like this, right? It's just mm-hmm. continually and slowly going up over time because that is just, that's consistent. That makes sense, right? And like people can wrap their head around that when it's doing like shooting up and shooting down and like that is the volatility almost shows the in the the lack of value you know and right. and, and i i don't trust, think yeah. You, yeah the lack of trust and i don't think you're crazy i think that's exactly where we're headed is and and i have to 100 percent agree with you as far as the u.s dollar being difficult to play with right like there's so many rules there's so I many mean, regulations the access is also really restricted depending on where right. on the global checkboard uh, chessboard you're sitting i mean sure if you're in the united states or in canada or it's if you're easier from a european it's easier, country but it it's might still be a lot difficult. easier yeah. it's still difficult true yeah because there's people living in poverty in the united states but then right if you're anywhere else in the the global south i mean you know i know people are listening in the global global south to this show it's like, why would you play that game in the first place? You know, I mean, we know historically why many countries were all even forced to play that game. But, but right. now is the time, I, I believe, to, to, you know, run, um, run local experiments just as much. How do you see, you know, the natural world to be represented in that, in the way blockchain and crypto can revolutionize? Because right now, sure. I mean, nothing yeah. accounts for a tree being taken down in the spreadsheet other than totally. the amount of lumber you can make out of it, right? Totally. Yeah, right. And and I think the the best way to look at it is assets become NFTs and your economy becomes your token, right? Your assets are your NFTs. You know, every business has assets, digital and physical. What represents the value that holds those assets? It is the NFTs. So these non-fungible tokens, we just look at them as 
it's a whole bunch of art. And it's just because that's the most visual way to understand an NFT, but really an NFT is a contract. It's a dynamic receipt that stays with, you know, the asset over time. And then that at the, the value of that asset can be directly pumped into your token. So it's almost like the circularness that you can create is basically the value in which you're building in the non-fungible space promotes your fungible space. So it's mm -hmm. like the more you kind of do in the non-fungible space and the more you get supported in the non-fungible space, you know, you can take the revenue driven from those non-fungible tokens and you can drive that value directly back into your fungible token and you can just keep kind of creating that. And the idea is that now you are buying your own tokens back to then take and reward even further to your community as they're, as they're buying, as they're buying the, the NFTs, you're converting it to your token or converting value and liquidity into your token. And then you can reward those tokens to your end users. And now you've created this, this whole circular economy where, you know, the way we, we should be looking at it is NFTs, you know, represent assets and that's assets of anything, everything you can think of a house, a desk, a monitor, a, a laptop, you know, a, a, you know, like a, a picture, a digital picture, right? It's all an asset. And then it's bought and sold through NFTs. And then if so long as you set the mechanics up in those NFTs, you can really kind of stimulate value back into your 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 fungible token, which is really kind of like your currency token, the one that you can kind of exchange and we we set a value on it. And it's uh, you know, that's the one that kind of holds the currency. And then the NFTs kind of really support the value. Right on. So the, the goal I just heard is NFTs are basically contracts, right? They're, yes. they're di digital and dynamic uh, receipts, you said. And, and, and that alone is already like a step forward for, for me personally to continue to understand the, 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 you know, the, the language also that comes with that space. But it, it, that makes so much sense, right? Because we know our world is digitalizing. Um, right. doesn't mean we have to accept everything about becoming <laughs> digital, right? Like there's tons of things in that regard that are maybe still very dystopian or authoritarian. But the sense-making of how we trade and build economy very, very likely is going to entirely become digital. Yeah. Is, and do you see the same kind of danger there? This is, you know, definitely out of, out of my um, perspective. The danger I see is if the digitalization happens top-down hierarchical, someone, can t someone, meaning a government or, you know, a group of oligarchs, could tie conditions to the digital space. And on the other hand, on the, you know, like the movement sponsored and inspired by people taking action and creating that future, that it becomes an unconditional transparent space De like you know really actually decentralized is that kind of the divide that you see or is that just the fear of someone who's who's watched too many videos online <laughs> no i think um you know and i i think the you know the, the decentralized space is you know it's it's very interesting and and i think that you know anyone can come in and you could create your you know your capitalist coin on the blockchain you know it's almost it's almost, it gives you freedom to do anything. Do you want to be somebody that's going to just own 99% of your distribution? You can go and do that, you know, like, but if, but if smart people are kind of like digging into your tokenomics and they understand what you're doing, then people would question that, you know, they would, they yeah. would ask you why, why are you setting up your business where, you know, 99% of your value is all in one bucket and, you know, and then you can easily, you know, like I imagine the U.S. government at some point, and I'm almost positive that they're thinking about doing some uh, some government-based coin, 
and bringing it into this space. And you have to imagine that's going to happen. And then they can regulate their coin their way. The problem is like, they're not going to be able to enforce their rules into other people's ecosystems, right? It's sure you can come in here and stand up your, your own coin with your own ecosystem and your own set of rules and you can govern it, you know, and tighten it down and make it so we can't do anything like the traditional space, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then you have these ecosystems that, you know, promote collaboration and actually, you know, try to not be restrictive and try to give the freedom to build and, you know, these other rewards incentivizing people, you know, through staking and, you know, a whole bunch of financial tools that a lot of us unaccredited investors are unable to access as a result of not having a million let's dollars about in, them the, some more. in a bank. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about them some more. You're really, you're really coming to the core of, of this conversation there, Dan. Like, the old game is rigged. Um, 100%. Almost everyone knows that. But, but then, you know, so and it's based on competition, just like in sports. Yeah. Right? And then the new game, we have to build it. Like, it's not even there right. yet. Right. And to base it on collaboration also probably means we understand trust, collaboration, transparency in a whole new way that maybe today in 2022, most of us don't fully understand it as yet. Mm. What, are, what are some of these tools that you're aware of? And maybe if you can make pragmatic examples to some of the projects that you're consulting on or building on right now, how, how can it get, you know, as, as pragmatic and tactile as a podcast conversation can get? And what are you looking for specifically? Well, just like these tools of collaboration that are incentives in new ways of building an economy, you know? Yeah. What yeah, would they yeah, look okay. like? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really, you know, and even that is kind of to the beholder of the creator, right? You're cre you create your own economy and I can kind of ground it to a few of the projects I've worked on. You know, what we're thinking about was, you know, Regen Garden specifically um, is allowing so basically um selling a membership token into regen garden so you can basically sign up you can become a member and the idea behind kind of that membership is that we want to give rewards to those early adopters that hold on to those tokens uh or, or those nfts and basically uh set up some sort of revenue share but but between all the projects that are launched on the garden so essentially you know one percent of all you know, revenue earned will actually go back to the community that it that helped kind of even bring in that initial capital. So they're, they're committing to kind of buying into your membership early on, you're rewarding them over the long term from all the revenue that comes out of all the projects. Um, and the idea is that, you know, even taking that a step further with what we're calling kind of the we give token, you know, what we're, what we're attempting to do with that is give, uh, reward our owners with this we give token. And the idea is that uh, the token will be eventually able to be used as liquidity and converted to liquidity. But really kind of the, the, the key utility is that we want to basically reward tokens to, to an end user or, or an owner. And then basically that owner has the ability to say, hmm, and then give them a slew of projects and then say, uh, what project would you like to invest in or stake your tokens in and staking basically would allow you more rewards from the system. So if you're going to take the tokens we've already given you, the idea is that you could stake them into another project. And now you're kind of like taking your, your store of value and you're saying, you know what? I believe in this project. I want to put my store of value behind this project. And then you get a community of people to do that. And now you have a bigger store of value. And what you're doing is you're rewarding those people on the back end that created that store of value and then you're you're also rewarding the project that that allow that 
that accumulated that store of value from the community. So you're you're rewarding them in a way right. in which now you're creating liquidity for them. And on the back end, you're you're rewarding the community that's supporting projects by giving them more of the give tokens. So then eventually they can take their their earned accumulated uh, value of store again and go put it into another project. So then we're basically setting up ways in which now the economy below is holding on to their tokens because they're staking them into projects over a fixed amount of time. You know, we basically would say, you know, we want you to hold this in here for six to eight months. This project, you know, will, you know, and if you take it out, you kind of get, you get penalized for taking it out. So what you're doing is you're creating these mechanics uh, to actually incentivize people to hold on to your token, not just go and fire sale it for the quickest, the quickest buck, right? The idea is that you're trying to establish value and then hold that value. So the idea is how do you create gamified mechanics or even mechanics in which you can leverage locking up tokens in a way in which you reward them for doing that. But it also, you know, and intrinsically it sets up the, it sets up the, the situation in which not only are they helping you hold that value, you know, they're, they're basically, they're allowing your value to actually grow at the same time too, because they're not just flipping it, you know, it's they're they're using it within your ecosystem. They're supporting more projects being launched. They're getting rewarded for that, that progress. And the idea is that how do we kind of always think in a collaborative way? We have the ability to do it with this type of economy, but it is very much so up to the, you know, the people starting the projects, because you mm -hmm. have to understand that anybody can program anything any way. And, you know, you can still get kind of the, the, you know, the profit driven capitalism, even in this space, if it's designed that way. Right. You know, it's so interesting. Every time I, I dive deeper on this podcast in, in, into the refi space or DeFi space or, you know, the, the future of economy, I keep coming back to this image in my mind that the forest has figured out how to run an economy. So in the natural biological world, the way that plants syntropically create through collaboration and access to mineral nutrients and water, you know, so the, the fungi system, the soil, the, the plants, the root systems, they all are in a steady exchange, actually contrary to what we thought for a long time and kind of like you know, hyper-capitalist interpretation of Darwinian uh, right, exactly. Uh, and, story. And, 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 yeah. Right, exactly. like we, we, we thought it just means, oh, survival of the fittest, which means all the trees are competing yeah. for who can get the most sunlight. Yeah, but well, of course they wouldn't tell actually us that. the reality. <laughs> exactly, of course we were told that. But it isn't actually even true, right? Like what's true is that trees all need different levels of minerals, water, humidity, uh, sunlight, etc. And and then of course one tree would still make sure he, she, it has access to the mineral it needs. But then any overflow is being redistributed back to the community because a tree is never a forest without other trees and bushes. And so that's actually the same for us human beings, right? So modeling 100%. the way we make sense of finance you know, kind of after the way the forest is being built by, you know, creator or nature, whatever you want to call it for today's conversation. That just seems to continuously like really click in my own brain. Now, taking that to the DeFi space, like, you know, is that is that how you see it's being done? Do you see, do you see that, yeah. that kind of that, that ethos and that consciousness present or like, do, do you worry? Like, tell us a little no, bit about I your personal think if, 
I think with the right people, you can absolutely, you know, tap into what you're saying. It again, it's all architecture, right? How do we architect mm. these types of collaborative economies, and how do we architect? You know, it's almost bringing fundamental rules into it, like what you're talking about with nature, right? Let let let's take nature for example. Like, you know, a branch is growing out of a tree, right? That branch, when it decides it wants to go either right or left, it doesn't pick right or left. There's never an or situation that happens with a branch. It's always and. It's always it goes left and right. Always, always. Branch comes up and then it's like, oh, well, time to split into more branches. Like, do we go right or do we go left? We, we always go right and left. And then we, we always go right and left again. And then we always go right and left again. Right. Because it's that's, that's how the, a tree would go to... It doesn't it's just have branches only on the right side ever. That's right, true. right, right, right. It's architected. Like it's architected in the DNA of the tree to always get to like the challenge, if you will. And then the and situation on how to solve it, which is like this way and that way, this way and that way, this way and that way. And I think, I think from a fundamental level, if we can kind of change the way we think as far as it's not this person wins or this person wins or this person wins right it's we all win all the time so it's like how do you set up how do you fundamentally bring those rules into the tokenomics so that when you are always confronted with there's capital coming in here uh, you know who should it get distributed to it's always thinking in that tree perspective of like you know it always goes this way and this way so like it's almost like reshifting how you fundamentally think about distributing capital where it's not just how do I throw it in my pocket, right? Like the capitalist way of thinking is how do I pump the most capital into my pocket as possible and, you know, give back as little as I need to, right? Like it's as, it's as little as, because, I, because it's all about me and me winning and you losing. And, you know, it's, it's fundamentally reshifting that like capital doesn't flow in. And then when you're going to the, like the profit side of the statement and it's divided by four people, those buckets are all going into DAOs that actually do something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's now we're it's in a different being, reality. Yeah. Yes. Now you're like, oh wow, your profits are actually being pumped back to like doing things, right? They're not being pumped into people's pockets; they're being put into multi-sig wallets, and like multiple people managing how to distribute those finances to to specific places based off of your fundamental architecture of your tokenomics, your economy, if you will. So like we yeah. gain interest, like we gain interest at the bank, you know, like putting our tokens into a, into a place in which we're gaining interest for kind of the, the behaviors we're, we're, we're taking place in. I'm super glad we, you know, we, we're continuously diving deeper in that conversation because, <laughs> and also like all the conversations around, uh, you know, the next steps of our financial systems and, and the sense making of, of how we, how we trade, I guess, you know, I think the word yeah. trade and transaction is also a big part of it because really in a kind of simple way of seeing it, trading is always win-lose, give-take. But then there is like gifting and circular economy where, as you said, it's there's a continuous win-win possible, which currently probably many people in the world would be like, how would that ever be possible? Right. But again, when we and look at the natural right. world, it's it's naturally so on this planet because it's even though the eagle is the strongest bird from a prey perspective, there's tons of other birds that are living in a form of harmony. It doesn't mean that they're that they never fight, but in a form of harmony with each other. Uh, same in the forest, 100%. even though the 
the pine tree might be the tallest tree around, you know, there might still be a hazelnut bush, bush because it's it's just like how it works. They, they can coexist together. And in fact, that's the lens or the perspective that I believe human beings need to totally claim as we step forward in, in, into building uh, what's next. So so it supersedes the, the, the top-down, hierarchical, competitive, totally. uh, reductionist uh, kind of worldview, right? Right. I'd love to hear from from you just to, you know hear some of your your dreaming here as well in this episode like so maybe transitioning into the dreaming question uh <laughs> h- halfway there my question is you know we we've basically talked about resilience here quite a bit like what does it take to change well it it, it means it will get uncomfortable to a degree right yeah what role does that discomfort or uncomfortability really play from your perspective yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's really learning, learning about it. Right. And, and it's such a different way of thinking. It's, it's no longer thinking competitively, but thinking collaboratively and, and, you know, doing it in a way that when, which you're very strategic. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's just a lot of, you know, dropping fear or like fear around, you know, we're conditioned to kind of think and believe so many different things that kind of like you say, you know, blurs our lens. It doesn't allow us to see straight where, you know, most people would hear a collaborative ecosystem economy and be like, how would that ever work? You're crazy. Whereas it's just because we've been taught that the people at the top that have ownership in things are the ones that will always have ownership in things because you lost, they won, right? Like we've taught ourselves to, you know, be the loser. That's a pretty uncomfortable spot to begin with. Totally. Yeah, well, yeah. In, in, in challenging kind of the, even mm. the current system that you've believed in for so long is not always an easy thing to grasp. Like, you know, like I've, I've lived under the dollar for so long. Like how, what do you mean it could be different? Like this mm. is, this is the way, this is how it's always been. And I think there's, I think there's a level of fear that comes along with thinking differently or, you know, trying to see on the other side. I mean, Thinking competitively compared to thinking collaboratively is an, an entirely, it's a different mindset. It is an, literally an, an entirely different mindset. It's, there's no longer, you know, it almost challenges people in their own relationships when they start to go through that, that doorway of competitive to collaborative, because it's like, you know, you're, you're having a lot of self-actualization as far as like, wow, I used to, I used to be that competitive. I used to think those ways of I win, you lose. I used to really kind of be hard on other people as a result of my I win, you lose mentality. And, and going through that, that doorway of collaboration is almost shedding, you know, the competitive side of yourself, which is, you know, kind of what holds a lot of us back from even seeing the collaborative side. And it's, and it's almost due to the fear of, you know, the change of what you're so used to, what you've been conditioned to believe in and, and, you know, see as kind of, you know, the way. So follow-up question here. What, how do you personally stay an optimist and keep choosing optimism as your outlook onto the world? Shut the news off. Hmm. <laughs> right on. It's a very you know, efficient it, answer. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. no, I, and I'll tell you, like, the, like, I think you probably, yeah, three or four years ago, you know, I like, 
I just, I got into a point where I, I had gotten to a point where I actually realized they were just distributing like quarterly fear. Like it literally was like what I would call like a quarterly fear topic. And it's like, oh, as soon as this one wears off, we got to get on to the next one. And it's literally, I mean, when I was watching the news, it became, it was like, oh, you know, this, this, uh, what's the next kind of topic going to be is what I would almost mm. joke to myself about. But, but it's being honest with yourself and seeing it that way as well. Like, not not buying into the fact that like, oh, I have to consume the news and I need to believe in one of their perspectives. And then I need to like have conversations with my friends about external stuff that has nothing to do with me. Right. Like, why are we even engaging in conversations like that? You know, where these people upstairs are like making all these crazy decisions and we have to like come together as, you know, like friends and family and we have to like discuss what all these these idiots at the top are doing, you know, like, <laughs> and it's almost shifting a mindset to the, the, the point of being like the news is so manipulated. And, you know, I think COVID is, yeah, I, I think COVID is, you know, I'm, I know it's, a, I know it's example. obviously, yeah, but like when COVID came out, I'll tell you my first thought. And I get that COVID is like, you know, it's, it's a cold, we need to be careful with it. But like, you know what I thought when COVID came out? Wow. This is going to last way more than a quarter. They found their they found their like more than a quarter news story and and literally here it is two years later and they're still heavily focused on it and it literally uh. like when COVID hit I literally thought to myself this is they finally found a topic in which they, they could probably stimulate fear <laughs> yeah they upgraded their business model exactly <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. well uh, there's and, a specific perspective on this and you and I uh, you know are <laughs> apparently meeting in this in this in this episode. Where you you can see it like that, it's it's like an update yeah. to an operating system or a business model, and so exactly. when you become aware of that, it's like why would I, why would I indulge, right? And you said something yeah. very interesting there that optimism is like, uh, it's like a common sense or healthy choice when you shut off certain aspects like the news. Yeah, you know, I've spent a lot of time researching these topics, and mainly out of just personal passion, but there's something about staying in in reactive mode because you're consistently consuming and maybe even consuming fear nonstop. You're consistently ready to react and do so. What should I do next? And then there is this like space where, and this is where when it comes to the, the, the future of finance, you know, and maybe even regenerative finance, how can we genuinely generate or build something? Well, first you got to get out of crisis mode reactive mode because if not you'll never build something that is really anchored in value or in integrity or in uh, longevity on principles that are modeled by nature right totally yeah it's and quite the shift of, yeah and i think when you know kind of to put the spotlight on sports a little bit you know like we we over glorify sports mm. to a degree of just like every single sports game is a win or lose. Every single sports game is win or lose, win or lose, win or lose, win or lose. How long have we been driving in the survival instinct into our minds? Generations we've been doing it. Generations we've been driving in sports as like this thing that we glorify as kind of a society and all mm. we're really doing is like making cheering for the survival instinct as if it's a religion. I mean, mm. like you have people that like believe in sports. I mean, they'll go to the grave believing in like a sports team. And it's like, do you realize how kind of ridiculous that is? You're 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 you're, you're literally preaching when you preach that when people, you know, kind of give in to sports that much, you are literally glorifying the survival instinct. 
And we, mm. we do it as a society. You know, we glorify the survival instinct as a society. And like that at, at its like core is you're, you're preaching competitiveness to yourself. You're preaching mm. it. And we, and we put it all over TV and we, we fund the biggest, you know, the biggest players in these sports because, you know, they, they represent the best of the competitiveness. And it's like, do you, like what we're highlighting in that type of capacity is so, it's so detrimental to society, mm. you know, to get people to kind of commit almost from a, to a religious degree into sports is like committing to the survival instinct. You are literally committing to winning or losing. Like that is at its core. That is what sports represents. There is never yeah, the, anything the other games. Yeah. The there's never games any of the modern age. And you're so right on. I mean, it's, you know, I believe there. There's definitely a little bit of room to to have some some theater or some drama, but when that is 100%. the only main stage that is consistently being programmed, um, you know, we at the very minimum should should think about if that's how we want to run our lives. I have a last yeah. question for you there, Dan, sure. and that is to do with kind of the dream for the future, and you know, um, from from the heart, just what's your your, sure. your your big vision for planet Earth? Your you know, if we get out out of the generational context or the like day to day context, and we know that there's going to be generations after us that are going to inherit this planet from us. Totally. What's your wish for them? You know, seven generations into the future. What's yeah, your, what's I think, your dream for them? I think what I would love to do is to you know, and I I used to do a lot of trading, and I you know, it was kind of it was not great, well intentioned trading. It was a lot of trading that where I would just you know get five percent gains, and I would just trade in, trade out, trade in, trade out. Just, it was more about the profit. And I think what it got me to realize is that imagine we can, and what I thought in myself, it was all an automated trading strategy. I wanted to bottle it up in a USB key, a USB stick and be like, just distribute it. Be like, here's an automated trading strategy, like make money. But you're also kind of hurting the industry at the same time. So I think my, my global view of this would be almost to create a model in which we can really kind of consume and understand a lot of people can consume and understand even a plan or like a, you know, the, 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 the structure in which to actually kind of architect these economies the right way in which here's the tools to do so, you know, here's the tools to do so and how to architect this economy the right way. And then here's how to actually uh, implement it. Right. So then you can actually use it from a sustainable perspective and this is how you build it over time. And you don't go public right away. You you stay private. You have a you maybe have a little bit of the allocation dedicated to like a public exchange, but really like I would love to just have a USB key that's like, you know, similar to kind of my trading idea where what I wanted to do in the trading space was create what I was considering an infinite wallet, where you're kind of just, you know, it would be uh it would almost be um it would be a way to risk-free invest. And that's essentially what I think it is. Like basically putting a value of store behind something and then somebody's earning that interest and using that as liquidity for their projects, right? Mm -hmm. and, then, and then at some point, let's say the business fails or doesn't make it off the ground, they've only leveraged kind of your interest. And now you're like, okay, well, I'm just gonna take my value store back. I've never lost any money. All I did was put it into a place in which they could leverage the interest Right. And then I'm taking it back. I have a completely risk free investment model in which I can put value behind something. So long as I've set up the mechanics the right way, now I'm rewarding them and they can use that interest as liquidity. And now, uh, you know, if they fall over or don't do well, I kind of just take my value store back. Or now they're like, hey, I'm revenue generating. I don't even mm -hmm. I don't even need this monthly stipend. Okay, perfect. Take it back. Put it somewhere else. Right. 
like it's it's almost like risk free investing as well. So like I almost imagine setting up ways in which you could risk free invest based off of you know different models you can configure to give interest in a way in which they can use as liquidity. So really, you know, I want to basically architect a a whole kind of like imagine it as an open source strategy that's kind of like very straightforward to implement, but very secure, very safe, very locked down. You just need to think through some of the mechanics. And then it's kind of how do you apply all this extra features and functionality? But like, what is the base core? What is the skeleton you need to kind of set your assets up in a way in which is all tracked in via NFTs and then set your token up as a way in which it's your economy and your currency? And then how do you actually get that economy and currency into your ecosystem in a strategic way in which you're just not dumping a billion tokens in? It's like, you know, over time you need to drip those in because like you need to get people to come in to support the value as you increase it, you know? So I almost imagine like my long term would be, I would love to have the ability to give somebody an open source strategy and say, this is exactly how you do it. You know, and, and everything's on like that USB key and it's like you plug that in and like you're off and running. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. That is a, a more beautiful world in which we can open source money, finances, trade systems, right. economies. I, I get it. I was like, where is he taking this answer? And I was like, right. That is the reason <laughs> for the future is if we can, if it would be as easy as the solution on the USB stick that we are entering an era of transparency of integrity of responsibility towards the the way we trade the way we do systems and also in relationship to nature right right and and setting up almost the system from the get-go and giving that as like the basis right like here's here is the new way to think you know in a collaborative way like you don't necessarily have to take it but here's here's the you know a very kind of templated way in which you can think very collaboratively in this strategy and it would be, you know, a model in which like also holds the business up at the same time, but it also reinforces kind of this more naturistic, uh, you know, perspective into the economy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't start there in this episode. We, we, we made a few references to it, but you said a game like on the USB stick that, you know, kind of sets us up from the get go. Well, there was something set up from the get go just by very few people in a very selective kind of crowd and maybe many of us believed for a long time that it was benevolent but if you look a little deeper it it might not be it might be based on competition as you just explained in the last 50 minutes right and so this this new game uh, maybe it fits on a usb stick we we will really we'll have to build it i mean it's it's gonna it's gonna exactly. take us building it we can't wait till it's there you have we have to actively become part of it as as right. people that are tuned in so dan thank you so much for the work you do in the world thank you for being on the show Thank you so much for having me. We'll make sure to link out your different projects and what you're part of. If you want to share one more thought or any call to action or where people can get in touch with you, please, please do so. Sure. No, I I totally appreciate you having me on the the show and, you know, always happy to kind of discuss these things. And, you know, I'm, I'm definitely more of a collaborator than anything else. And people want kind of advice, information. I'm kind of always open to giving it. I, I feel like there's, You know, we are so much so in the infancy of this thing and kind of even understanding it and how to even leverage it. And I think that, you know, I think that where we're going to evolve to next is really understanding the utility of these contracts. I think people really want to see something more than art. And, you know, I think we're kind of just on the corner of that as far as, you know, 
people understanding NFTs are, are slightly more than art. It's, it's the contracts and the assets that kind of, you know, support any, a bigger ecosystem when leveraged the right way. So yeah. And you can contact me, uh, via email or yeah, probably email is the best, best way. Uh, Dan at pixelatestudio.com. We'll make sure to, to put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Dan, cool. for being on the show. Absolutely. Appreciate your time. <laughs>